Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Everybody feel welcome? Good, good. I want to welcome all of you who are here in the room, everybody watching online as well. So take a look at this picture back here. All right, it's, it's a classic, right? You've got the old devil on one shoulder and then the angel on the other shoulder. You've seen it in cartoons, TV shows, movies all the time. And, and I want you to think about something here for just a second. I want you to think about what may be off with this picture, theologically speaking. Now just spend a second to process that. You know, most people would tend to say that it's the devil on the one shoulder, But I would actually take issue with that. I'd actually say it's probably the angel on the other shoulder. Let me explain why that's the case. See, as believers in Jesus Christ, as Christians, the Bible says the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And that he is the one who guides us. He is the one who speaks to us through these inner promptings, not an angel. In fact, listen to these excerpts from the book of Romans. Romans 8, 9 says, if anyone does not have the Spirit, they do not belong to Christ. So all Christians today have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. Romans 8, 6, the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And so our minds should be governed by the Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit speaks into our minds. Romans 8, 16 says the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. Okay, that means the Holy Spirit somehow interacts with our spirit. And then finally, Romans eight twenty six, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So there's a voice that speaks to Christians, just encouraging us to do what's right. But it's not the voice of an angel. It's the voice of the Holy Spirit. Okay, what about the other side, the little devil, the demon on that shoulder? I think a lot of people there would say, nah, you know, that's baloney, right? That's just cartoons. You just see that in the movies. Well, I'd actually submit to you that that's the correct part of this picture. And yet Satan is so good at what he does that he's convinced most Christians he doesn't work that way. And I would say nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, I go so far as to say that if you don't believe the enemy has that ability to do that, then you're easy prey. And what I want to do today is just to show you, not from personal experience, although I have some of that, I'm going to share a personal story, but I want to show you from the Bible why I believe this to be true. And here's a key point for you. You ready? Your thoughts are not always your thoughts. People, if you take nothing else away from this series, that one truth will change your life. Your thoughts are not always your thoughts. You know, I can remember when this truth first hit home with me. I was actually in the middle of a spiritual battle but didn't recognize it. My faith was under attack to the point where I was doubting if I was truly a Christian. And man, I got to tell you, during this period of time, I prayed a lot. I read the Bible a lot. I cried out to God night and day about this lack of assurance of salvation. And I wasn't doubting the existence of God. I was doubting my own faith. I was doubting my own understanding of the Bible. And even though I had read hundreds of passages of Scripture that talk about the fact that God loves the world, that Jesus died for everyone's sins, that salvation is a free gift that you get just by putting your faith in Jesus, and that once you come into a relationship with Jesus, nothing can separate you from his love, I knew all that. Right? I had studied all that. 
But it was a combination of some bad theology I had been taught, saying that, well, nobody can be absolutely certain of their salvation. That and some condemning thoughts in my head that I assume were my own thoughts, they led me to doubt where I stood with God. So I was on this vacation. I was actually up in New Jersey. And the night before, extremely restless. I couldn't get to sleep. And I couldn't shake this ongoing condemning voice in my head just saying, you know what, Brian, you're not a Christian. You're going to hell. I mean, just all night long, this voice was going on. These thoughts were going through my head. Well, the next day, I went to work out at the YMCA in downtown New Jersey, of all places. And while I was there, nobody else was in the facility, and the radio was going. And so I walked over to the radio and tuned into a Christian radio station. And as I was working out, a guy by the name of Tony Evans, you may have heard of him, he was preaching a message. Guess what he was preaching on? Spiritual warfare. You talk about timely. Particularly, he was talking about the fact, he was making the point that Satan can plant thoughts in your head, in your mind. And man, I, I was just like, whoa. I, I, yeah, I had heard that line of thinking before. It wasn't like that was brand new to me. But like many Christians, I, I wrote it off. So I get today, if you're sitting out here and you're like, yeah, I don't know about this whole stuff, I get if you're skeptical. I'm a very skeptical person by nature. Like I've always said, if you had to pin me with one of the disciples, call me Thomas. Okay, I am doubting Thomas. I struggle. And, and this whole thought of, man, the spirit being planting a thought in my head seemed a little strange to me. But by the time Tony Evans was done with his message, my jaw was on the ground. And I was thinking, whew, what if? I mean, this stunning thought hit me. What if these voices I've been hearing, they're not my own thoughts at all? They're not my own voice up here. What if everything I knew and read and believed in the Bible about being eternally secure was true, and these thoughts were not my conscience condemning me or God condemning me? What if it's a lie that keeps being planted there by the enemy? It's a huge turning point for me. And the key passage that Tony Evans drove home was 2 Corinthians 10.5. And now, in retrospect, looking at it, it's pretty plain and simple if you take it at face value. i just never done that before. Paul says this, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, and we've talked about this in this series. In a war, you only take captive the enemy, Right? If I'm fighting a battle and I start capturing my own soldiers and I am locking them away, I'm not going to win that battle. So clearly, Paul is saying that some of your thoughts must be enemy thoughts. Otherwise, you would not take them captive. It's not exactly rocket science. And so if there are enemy thoughts going on up here, they must be coming from an enemy source. And even as I say this right now, some of you may be having a kind of aha moment like I did many, many years ago. Because you've had this nagging voice inside of you for years. And, you know, it, it's just always kind of there. It's always with you. It seems to contradict what you've known about the Bible, what your pastor has told you. And it's a voice that tempts you to sin. It's a voice that drags you down, a voice that maybe makes you feel perpetually guilty. Here's another verse that kind of verifies that Satan and his demons can attack our minds. It's Ephesians 6.16. And I know we've covered this in depth in the series already, so I'll be brief here. But in the middle of a discussion about spiritual warfare, spiritual attacks, the Apostle Paul instructs Christians to take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. 
All right, let's just break this down logically. First, it says faith is needed to stop some kind of attack coming from the evil one. You got to have faith to stop whatever these arrows are. And faith means what? It means belief. It means trust. Trust in what? Well, trust in God's truth, God's promises. Jesus said over in John 8, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So faith in the truth is what sets you free. And if taking up the shield of faith extinguishes those flaming arrows of the evil one, then those flaming arrows are what? They must be lies, because believing the truth extinguishes them. And then we got to ask the question, well, how in the world does the evil one get those lies across to us? I mean, he's got to find some way to get us to think something wrong. And I would submit to you that what he does is he conveys those lies into people's minds in some way, shape, or form. And i got to admit, Satan can't read your mind. We know that. Satan doesn't know all your thoughts. But the Bible says he does have the ability to fire an arrow, a lie into your head, and see if it sticks there. And so your job is to take up that shield of faith and extinguish that flaming arrow before it hits your head, before it starts burning away in your mind. Now, if you were here last year, we did a whole series about hearing the voice of God. And I made the point that God, through the Holy Spirit, also communicates in our minds. We have to learn how to discern the voice of the Spirit. So if you think about this, you've got all these voices going on in your head, right? You've got your own voice, You've got the world's voice, you've got the enemy's voice, you've got God's voice. That's a lot to balance. And so what is the implication of that truth? Well, anytime you're triggered, anytime you're at a crossroads, anytime you need to think critically, you should stop and ask yourself the question, where is this thought most likely coming from? Do you do that? Do you think much about the thoughts that are in your head? You should ask the question, where is this thought most likely coming from? And so what I want to do with our time today is I want to talk about these four voices that are going on and maybe give you a little bit of insight into how to recognize, how to discern each of those voices. So first of all, we've got our own voice, okay? We do have our own voice. All the time, there are thoughts rolling through our head. We've got this internal dialogue going on. Guess what? That's perfectly normal, okay? It only gets scary if you start answering yourself out loud, okay? maybe referring to yourself in the third person, okay, then we can get you some help. Otherwise, what you're experiencing with that dialogue, it's perfectly normal. It's a normal thing. Now, as I thought about this, our own voice is influenced by many factors. First of all, it's influenced by our personality. And that means some people are going to have an inner voice that's a little more self-critical, and other people are going to have an inner voice that's a little more self-comforting. And that can be a good thing or a bad thing, but it's just a thing. It's just a reality, and you should be aware of that. Second, our own voice is often influenced by our upbringing. Well, that includes a whole series of events, a whole gamut of events that happen to you and how you process those. I mean, that can be good events, traumatic events, you name it. And then finally, I think our inner voice is shaped by what other people in our life have said about us over the years. So we have this voice that's, our own voice, and it's kind of a combination of truths and lies. And how do we get in touch with the truths and, and not so much the lies? Well, it's pretty simple. What you got to do is you got to test those thoughts, right? Take captive those thoughts again. Test those thoughts and see if they line up with God's Word, the Bible. And, and do they line up with God's voice, the Holy Spirit speaking to you? 
So that's our own inner voice. All right, next, we have the voice of the world. There's a voice that's out there that we hear all the time, and I think we tend to underestimate the power of the voice of the world. And by the way, this voice is empowered by the evil one. So in essence, it's basically the devil's voice received third hand. Take a look at 1 John 2, 15 to 16. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, and here we go, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. So we see here that the voice of the world is tempting, isn't it? Like it speaks to the lust of our flesh and says, hey, it's okay to satisfy those sexual desires outside of marriage, right? I'm not hurting anybody. Everybody's doing it. It's no big deal. And too many Christians cave in and pay a price for the rest of their lives in their marriage. And I'll just say this. If you think sex outside of marriage is, is okay, doesn't hurt anybody, come talk to me. I mean, I can share you, with you hundreds of stories I've heard from couples over the years. And even if they don't see or admit how much it's impacted them, how it's affected them, I can see it from the outside. That's why couples don't feel as bonded in their marriages these days. So there's that lust of the flesh. And the voice of the world also speaks to our eyes. Right? Everything that we see out there, the voice of the world communicates to us through our eyes. It says, hey, you really need to buy that thingy on that commercial there. Like, I know you can't afford it right now, but man, it'll make you happy. Right? That's the voice of the world. And some of you may be thinking, hey, pastor, you know, I'm not that gullible. I don't buy something just because it's on TV, right, just because it pops up on my Facebook feed. And of course you don't. It's all the other people outside of this room right here, okay? Hey, marketers know this works. Otherwise, they wouldn't spend millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars convincing people they need something that they don't have. The voice of the world is powerful. It works. I shared this quote with you a number of months ago. I'm going to share it again. The father of American psychology, William James, said this, there is nothing so absurd that if you repeat it often enough, people will believe it. <laughs> if you hear that voice of the world over and over and over again, it begins to get to you. Don't doubt this, people. That's why you got to be careful about who you choose as friends. you got to be careful about who you listen to, what you listen to. Remember the old saying, garbage in, garbage out. The world's voice, it's alive. The world's voice is very, very active today. And it speaks to us. I'm telling you, it's powerful. It's very powerful. You know, I thought about this. Kids, children these days, kids who never before felt or even considered their sexual identity are now coming out as elementary kids, right? Elementary children, that alone should scare us. And they're saying, hey, I'm, I'm bisexual, or I'm transgender, or I'm LGBTQ, M-O-U-S-E, whatever. I can't keep up with it all. I'm serious. I mean, but it's real. And it shows the power, doesn't it, of the world's voice to transform, to impact an entire culture. And, you know, it's not just children. It's not just young adults. Grown adults, married people these days. Right? They, they read enough romance novels or articles on relationships or watch enough TV, even the Hallmark Channel, right? And, and they become convinced that they've never experienced true love, right? So they're leaving their spouses in droves in search of something 
you know, it's going to fulfill them in some way. It's a pipe dream. But the voice of the world is powerful. It really and truly is. You know, Paul warns us in Philippians 4.8 to stay away from negative thoughts, negative media, negative people. I want you to listen to this. He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, basically, you've got to decide what your thoughts are going to be, what's going to be rolling around, what voice are you going to have going on in your head. All right, so we've got to filter our own voice. We've got to filter the world's voice. All right, there's another voice, and that is God's voice. This is the voice of the Holy Spirit. And since I did a whole series on this at the end of last year, I'm just going to point you to go to hillcountry.life and check out that series called The Experiment because it's all about practically how to do life with God, how to talk to God, how to listen to God's voice. And then finally, there's one more voice to discern, and that is the enemy's voice. So we got these voices going on, right? Is it, is it my own voice? Is it something that's just echoing the voice of the world? Could it be from God? Or could this thought be a thought that's planted there by some evil spirit? Now, you've got to pray and ask God for discernment. But as we close here, I want to give you three big clues, three questions to ask that will help you maybe determine if it's the enemy's voice. First of all, does the voice contradict God's word? Okay, does the voice contradict God's word? If it goes against something you think to be true from God's word, that's a good indication it could be coming directly from the enemy. So what do you do? Well, if you suspect that a thought does not align itself with the Bible, go to the Bible and examine it for yourself. Luke gives us a great example of this over in Acts 17, 11. He says, now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Isn't that awesome? Like they didn't just accept it because Paul said it. They thought for themselves. They examined the Bible for themselves. And I know that at face value here, this may seem like a no-brainer. Uh, you may think, well, okay, yeah, duh, you want to test the thoughts, make sure it's not in the Bible. It sounds easy. It sounds straightforward, doesn't it? Well, it's not. Let me tell you why. It's because Satan is so good at what he does. Remember last week I told you Satan is extremely intelligent. You know what he does? He takes one passage of Scripture in here, and he twists it. He uses it to try and contradict another passage of Scripture to kind of throw you off. He's extremely intelligent. He knows this book better than you do, better than I do. In fact, he's so audacious. Do you remember when Satan was tempting Jesus in the wilderness? Guess what he used? He used the Bible. He misquoted Scripture, and Jesus had to disprove him by quoting another passage of Scripture. You know, in my own spiritual battle, uh, doubting my salvation, that's what the enemy did. He used the Bible. He honed in on a few verses of Scripture that were unclear to me, a few verses that caused me to doubt my salvation, all the while blurring hundreds of verses that spoke very clearly to the fact that I could be absolutely certain that I'm a Christian. And the way I broke free from that lie was to finally say, hey, wait a minute, time out here. There are like 150 passages in the New Testament alone that say that I can be sure, that if I put my faith in Jesus, 
and I believe that he died for my sins, he's forgiven me, he's given me a gift of eternal life, then that's mine. That is the promise of the Bible. And yeah, there are these three or four passages of Scripture over here that I don't understand, but if they mean something different, then that doesn't make sense because that would mean that Jesus and the Bible are lying in all these other 150 very clear passages. One of my old seminary professors, Dr. Robert Leitner, he said it best. He said this. This is a really, really good quote. Always interpret difficult, unclear Bible passages in light of the clear, straightforward passages. Great principle here. Let me say it again. Always interpret difficult, unclear Bible passages in light of the clear, straightforward passages. And interestingly enough, once I did that over time, I began to make sense of those unclear passages. But for the longest time, the enemy's lie in my head was loud and convincing, even though it contradicted what I knew to be true about the Bible. So if a thought pops into your head and it doesn't seem to line up with the truth of God's word, what do you do? You take that thought captive, and then like the Bereans, you test it. Test it against the clear passages of Scripture. And if it doesn't line up, Flush it down the old proverbial spiritual toilet, okay? Just don't even entertain that thought. Okay, second question to determine if a thought may be coming from the enemy is this. Does the voice condemn you? Here's a classic one. You know, the Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But does the voice condemn you? Like, does the voice make you feel guilty about past sins even after you've confessed them? Because 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So I'm telling you, if you confess your sins and you still feel guilty, you need to ask the question, where is that coming from? The enemy's voice says, God doesn't love you. He can't love you, not after what you did, not after what you said. Well, the Bible says God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it's interesting to me because somehow we believe that God could love a murderer like Saul turned Paul, and God could love an adulterer like David, and God could love corrupt tax collectors and promiscuous prostitutes, but no, he couldn't, he couldn't love me. Where is that voice coming from? You know, for many Christians, there's this inner voice that accuses them and condemns them. And what if I told you that the Bible says that's exactly what Satan does, that that's Satan's job description? Revelation 12.10 calls him the accuser of our brothers. He accuses Christians, brothers and sisters in the church. He accuses them before God, and he accuses them in our minds. Okay, one final question that is a telltale sign that it's the enemy's voice. Now, i got to tell you, this last one is worth its weight in gold. Okay, this is the one where you're going to be able to catch the enemy red-handed time and time and time again. In fact, you're going to be coming back to me going, man, Brian, I wish I had done this years ago. I wish I had practiced this. This is genius, okay? All right? And I'm not that smart, okay? I just watched how the enemy works. But this is a big clue here. Final clue that it could be the enemy's voice is this. Does the voice get you all worked up? Does that voice get you all fired up, get you angry inside? Anytime you start getting wrapped around the axle about something, I'm telling you, time out, pause, question. See, this is where Satan tries to get you at odds with other people. And let me explain how it works here. And I think you'll be able to track with me. You know those inner conversations you have 
where you kind of go back and forth in your mind, like there's this dialogue going on. And it starts out, you're very calm starting out, just processing information. But then the next thing you know, you're acting out this dialogue between you and that other person because you feel really wronged by her. And then you start assigning malicious intent and, you know, that, that person doesn't care about me. and They're, they're doing this on purpose. And, and before you know it, you are all worked up. And you're thinking about, man, I just can't wait to go to that person. I'm going to tell that person off, right? I'm going to go kick a puppy or, you know, lock myself away for a decade in solitude. I'm going to go to the bottle, whatever your coping mechanism of choice is, right? Because you're just all worked up. You know what I'm talking about? I see some nods out here. Like this is the, oh, she always and he never. Why am I the only one who, and all the while you're flipping that toilet paper roll the right way, right? Yeah, reloading the dishwasher. <laughs> Think I don't have cameras in your home? Yeah. <laughs> and it works both ways, right? Oh, man, she's so anal. So, oh, she's so uptight, you know. I mean, who cares if I leave a little mess out? Relax, woman, just relax. Hey, guys, when in the history of mankind has that line ever worked with a lady? Just relax. Good luck with that one. But I'm telling you, different personalities rub on each other in different ways, don't they? And think about this. It's those little thoughts, people. It's those little scenarios you're playing out in your head. The enemy gets in there and makes it personal. Where you think that other person is maliciously attacking you. That other person is purposely avoiding you, purposely ignoring you. And if you just backed up for a second, you could probably recognize that in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big a deal. You would be fine. But man, the enemy gets you obsessing over something small and you turn a mountain, make a mountain rather, out of a mohill. Quite often, people, the devil is in the details. It's in those tiny little things in our lives. Folks, the enemy is more involved in our lives than we would ever like to believe. There's an old classic book I would encourage you to read. It's by Watchman Nee. It's called Let Us Pray. And in chapter 5 of this book, he talks about the fact that Satan is involved in all the details, all the little details of our lives as Christians. And that's why we need to pray against the enemy's attacks daily. In fact, that would be a great action step for you. Pray against the enemy daily. Just make that a part of your prayer life. You know, Watchman Nee, he says, we are to pray to God, we are to pray for ourselves and others, and we are to pray against Satan. And I would tell you, those are the three main components of any healthy prayer life, and yet we often leave out that last one. Why? Well, I think it's because we doubt that he's really all that active in our lives. We doubt that he's involved in energizing the world, right? We doubt that he could be the one behind our car breaking down or behind our sickness. We doubt that he's the accuser of God's children. We doubt that we really need to hold up some shield of faith to extinguish some fiery dart, some lie that the enemy's trying to plant in our head. We doubt that our thoughts are not always our own thoughts. Folks, you got your own thoughts, the world's thoughts, God's thoughts, and the enemy's thoughts. So what are you to do? I think John said it best in 1 John 4.1. He says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Test your thoughts and take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Let's pray. Lord, as we 
wrap up this series and we've uncovered some of this mysterious spiritual realm and the battles there and there's so much more that could be said. And we just confess to you that we don't know it all. But we have these warnings, we have these truths and, and we need to embrace them, we need to believe this, that this is real. So God, would you help us to take captive every single thought and try to figure out where it's coming from. And then like Paul said in Philippians, to hold on to the good. Lord, would you help us to be able especially to identify the enemy's voice that when something just doesn't seem to line up with the Bible, that we would test that. That if there's some voice, a nagging voice that condemns us or leads us to doubt, that's the opposite of faith. And we know that when your Holy Spirit convicts us, it's very clear, it's very specific. And he says, okay, here's where you sin, confess it, go ask for forgiveness, and, and it's done. But the enemy doesn't do that. The enemy condemns us when the Bible says there is no condemnation. The enemy makes it cloudy like there is no hope. So help us to reject that condemning voice inside of us. And finally, God, I just pray that when we get all worked up in life, or that we would pause and recognize, oof, this may not just be me getting all angry. This may not be the other person and how unreasonable they're being. And it may be something deeper that the enemy's getting in there and causing tension, causing friction. So, God, we just thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you've given us everything we need to fight this battle through the truth of your word and through the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And help us as we move forward to apply these truths. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, folks, as you go through this week and even for the rest of your lives, start thinking about your thoughts and taking them all captive for the glory of Christ. Have a wonderful week.